your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. It's time for Retirement Matters. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Michael Stewart. He is the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and the one that we talk to each time here on the podcast to help us navigate through that sometimes hard to understand financial world. Mike is the co-author of Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street, available on Amazon. And Crystal Lake is a one-stop shop with a CPA, enrolled agent, and a paralegal all on staff and they can help you when it comes to all things financial and any retirement matters, as the name of the show implies. Mike, thanks for joining us this week. How are you, sir? Always a pleasure speaking with you, Walter. Yeah, looking forward to our conversation once again, as we'll have lots to get to on today's program. In a little bit, we're going to talk about fuzzy math. Are you doing any fuzzy math when it comes to your financial planning? I know I used to do some fuzzy math back in the school days. We want to make sure that we're not repeating that as we get older and closer to retirement. So we'll dive into that, plus answer one of your questions all on today's podcast. But first, it's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. So, Michael, there was a recent headline, and a lot of people may have seen this. After a 111-year run, General Electric is no longer part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. My question for you is, does that end of an era indicate anything important on a broader scale that you know an investor today should be kind of interested in or worried about? Yeah, Walter, I think that's a great question. A few episodes ago, we did a headline on Netflix and Disney, and if that was a permanent shift or more of temporary. Now, specific to GE and many older traditional kind of 50, 100-year-old companies, they're facing three major issues. One, due to being around for so long, they've got legacy costs associated with pensions and health care that continue to drain their coffers, and will even more so as their workforce continues to age. Secondly, they were on top of the mountain so long and so big that cash flow and profits from one division kind of hid the losses and inefficiencies in some of the other divisions. And that kind of resulted in a death by a thousand paper cuts. So by the time these losses and inefficiencies grew and came to the surface, it's too late to put that genie back in the bottle and they no longer cover up for those past crimes and they're forced to sell off their actual profitable things. And that's what's going on right now. They're selling off some very profitable units and well-run divisions just to cover for some of the others that they're saddled with. And then the third thing is many of the industries that they're in are being disrupted by new competitors. These new competitors have new technologies and they don't have those same legacy pension baggage and healthcare costs, nor the same drag on profits from poorly run divisions. So is this an end of an era? No, I just think it's a natural business cycle. If you look at the top five companies in the S&P 500, let's say go back to 1990, they were GE, Exxon, Citigroup, Pfizer, Cisco, you know, all household names. In 2018, it's Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, and J.P. Morgan Chase. To actually find those prior top five, you'd have to go down to number 16, 22, number 46. You'd have to go way down the list now to find those same companies. So disruption happens, and you're either ahead of the curve or you're behind it. GE has been behind it for quite a while. It's no longer your father's GE, a company that you'd buy and hold until you die. That's also a great financial planning lesson. Trees don't grow to the sky, and today's number one companies may not be tomorrow's number one company. 
Boy, it's such a different mental shift, isn't it, though? Because that's all I remember growing up. My grandparents, who instilled, you know, fantastic financial guidance and principles in me, you know, it was that mentality for a really long time. Invest in the big name companies, you know, and you're in good shape for a long period of time. That's just, you know, what's ever going to happen to the McDonald's of the world or the, you know, the GEs, I guess, at one point in time. Kind of wild to see some of these, you know, eventually fail and struggle. No, absolutely. And that's a conversation. You know, we have several industries and in companies, and GE Healthcare Vision is one of them, and Motorola in the Chicago area, and, you know, Abbott and AbbVie and some of the others that, you know, clients, because of stock options and other things over the years, will wind up coming in, and they've got 60, 70, 80% of their net worth tied into the individual stocks. And I use GE as a great example and show them a chart how, you know, up until a year ago, the stock, despite this nine-year bull run recovery we've been on, the stock is actually lower than it was 10 years ago. And that was before it got cut in half in the past year. So one of the things that I always say is, okay, yeah, it's a great company. I love all these companies. But are you in love with the number of shares that you have or are you in love with the company? Absolutely. There you go. It's a in-the-news headline once again here on Retirement Matters. GE, no longer part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. With that, we flip the page to another great question from one of our listeners. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And so this week's question comes to us from Mitch in Elk Grove Village. And Mitch says, how long, Michael, does it take to go through the retirement planning process? Is it something that's ongoing for years and years, or can we meet just once or twice, set the plan, and move on? I really don't have a perspective on how this whole thing works. Yeah, Mitch, many firms do have different processes. Now, in my 18 years as a financial planner, I have developed our retirement planning process, the one we call the Retirement Success Blueprint. And ours is actually handled over a series of about three meetings, usually between taking three to four weeks. Now, once that blueprint's developed and implemented, then we check in on either a quarterly or semi-annual basis just to make sure that we're on plan. Uh, now, how our process is a little bit different, because that's the only one I can speak of, is that we don't come into that first meeting with an investment recommendation for you, nor can you even become a client at that point, as we don't really know what you need or how we can provide value. Now, unfortunately, when you go see a broker at the bank or Edward Jones or some other firm, many times they already have a sales pitch and a product ready for you without even getting to know what your needs are. Now, our Retirement Success Blueprint, we do it over three meetings. That first meeting is a discovery meeting, which is really a conversation. We talk about where you are currently, where you want to go, and find out what's important about money to you and your family to identify any gaps that there might be in place. That second meeting of the three is the design meeting. We take all that information from that first discovery meeting and put it all on paper and say, here's where you are, here's the risk you're taking, the fees that you're paying, and the likelihood of the chance that you'll be successful if you don't make any changes. Now, if we've identified that there are some gaps or shortfalls, then I'll share some concepts and ideas on how we can improve the likelihood of success in retirement. And the likelihood of success is what I define as having predictable income until you take your last breath where you won't run out of money in retirement. Now, we discuss the pros and cons of each and you know tweak about all the pros and cons as we go along. And that's usually concluded by a third meeting that we call the delivery meeting. So based on the changes that we talked about in that design meeting, what we want to do is agree upon, we assemble and deliver this final plan that I call the Retirement Success Blueprint, and it contains a roadmap of these recommendations and next steps. And the blueprint isn't just about investments. It should cover retirement income, investment allocations, taxes, long-term care, how to maximize Social Security, even estate planning. So after that third meeting and the delivery of the plan, we can discuss, are you going to do it? You can do it on your own. You want to hire us? Whatever you decide, the plan's objective. Now, Mitch, that's how the process should play out. In a true financial planning relationship, process comes before product. 
for those product pushers that have an investment idea for you in meeting one, it'd be like the doctor giving you pills before the exam. It's just malpractice. Yes, the initial planning process doesn't take forever <laughs> to answer your question, Mitch, but it's an mm-hmm. ongoing relationship for a long period of time. So in a way, yes, it does take forever, but that's a good thing. It's not something to be kind of overwhelmed by. It's a good thing that it's not just a set it and forget it kind of plan because you want to have adaptability and customizability. Is that a word, uh, Michael? Can we use that as well? <laughs> I believe it is. And you're correct. So the planning process is really where you invest a little bit more time early on. And then really, you know, kind of like a way station, you're just checking in to make sure that you're on plan. And if you got to tweak something over time, that's really where the relationship with the advisor comes in. Very good points and very good question, Mitch. Thank you for submitting that one to us. If you have questions for Michael Stewart and the team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, encourage you to give a call to the team at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. You can talk to Mike and the team directly about your financial situation and what you want to improve going forward. Or you can get in touch with the team online by going to crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Well, fuzzy math was something that my teacher in statistics class once accused me of doing, where I was trying to you know, make excuses for why I came up with the wrong answer and trying to convince him that I actually had found the right answer because of the fuzzy math that I had kind of put into the equation. Unfortunately, a lot of investors and quite frankly, a lot of advisors as well fall victim to this fuzzy math when it comes to their retirement planning. So I want to explore some of the areas where someone might be employing this fuzzy math. Maybe you've had experience with this before, Michael, and can tell us kind of what happens and how we can maybe recalibrate to make sure that we're basing our decisions more accurately. I know you've probably heard somebody come into the office at some point and say something along the lines of, you know, the mutual funds I'm invested in right now have averaged, oh, something like 7% annual growth for the past five years. And you know what? I'm perfectly happy with that return throughout my retirement. Well, first thought is who wouldn't be, but where is the fuzzy math in that line of thinking? Yeah, I think the fuzzy math really comes in. We just covered it at a mid-year market review that we had for workshop for clients was that average return isn't what your money gets. So average return is calculated by taking the total returns over a certain period of time, add them all up and just divide them by a number of years. And you say, okay, so the average return is X. The real return is what your money does. And let me give you an example. So from 2000 to 2017, the S&P 500, so you know, the 500 largest stocks in the U.S. averaged about 7%. So over that 18 years, the S&P 500 averaged 7%. But if you really do the numbers, your money only averaged to 5.3. And that doesn't even include inflation. And people say, well, how could that be if I was in the market, even an index fund for that time frame, you know, if it averaged seven, I should have got seven. But the index just takes the total return and divides it by those 18 years. But if you actually lost money in any given year, which is probably likely given two bear markets between 2000 and 2002, 2007, 2008, then when the market went up in a later year at some point, you didn't get all that return on the original amount that you had. You lost money in those down years, so you got that return on a lower dollar amount. So thus your money's return is always less than the average return. So a lot of mutual funds out there and investments will tout, you know, our 10-year annual average return is 7%. But what I'll always go back with clients, especially if they've owned it, they've known it, we can calculate it, is, but what was your real return? What did your money do over that time frame? So be careful of average returns. Yeah, average returns, something that I think is tricky, throws a lot of people off from time to time, all in how you look at it and what your perspective is. That goes with this next example. It has to do with Social Security. And that would be when people say, and they're doing a little fuzzy math here, it's definitely best to wait until I'm 70 to start Social Security. 
so that I can get the biggest monthly amount possible. That's not necessarily an incorrect statement, but certainly not the whole truth. No, absolutely. And this is a very individualized decision. So yes, on the surface, just from a purely math standpoint, if you wait to take Social Security from your full retirement age, that's that big, bold number on your Social Security form on page one, that big, bold number is the amount of income you'll receive at your full retirement age, which for most of us is somewhere between 66 and 67. So if you wait from that time frame until 70, you get an extra 8% annually as an increased Social Security benefit. So if your full retirement age is, say, 66, you could get an extra 32% more Social Security benefit for life just by waiting till 70. But life isn't that simple. How's your health? Can you even keep working or use other assets to bridge to wait until 70 to take Social Security? Are there other assets available? What savings do you have? What IRAs, 401ks? Are you worried about a survivor benefit for your spouse? Because when you claim Social Security can impact the legacy that you leave for your spouse, because what happens if you're married, when one of you passes, the lower Social Security check goes away. So whoever had the higher check is the one that stays. So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered in advance of claiming Social Security at any age so that you can maximize the lifetime return on your Social Security benefit. And that's why we build Social Security planning into our financial planning process. It's another big part of the equation. That's certainly true. If you're doing fuzzy math when it comes to retirement dates, that's a big issue as well. And what kind of income levels you're going to need to be at in your retirement years. Often you'll hear somebody say something along the lines, Mike, of I'm currently saving for retirement, but you know what? I'm not going to be able to do that once I'm actually retired. I'm not going to have to because I won't need as much income as I do now. It's true that if your current income is being put aside for retirement savings, let's say you're saving 20% of your income going into your 401k or for retirement savings in general, so you may be able to live on less once you retire. But in my nearly 20 years as a financial planner, most of my clients live on an income that's pretty comparable to what they had prior to retiring. They may not be paying to drive to work daily or dry cleaning as much, but they do have more time on their hands. You know, And you know what they say about idle hands. So in retirement, dollars are now going to traveling, home projects, hobbies, maybe even spoiling the grandkids. So even when those activities slow down as they get a little bit older into their 70s, that money that maybe they're not traveling as much, they're you know not as involved in some you know on-site projects, that money now goes to additional health care costs as they age. So your retirement income plan should, in many instances, plan on generating an income that's similar to the one you had prior to retiring. The one caveat, of course, would be, you know, if we're moving to a low-cost state, you know, where you're cutting your property taxes by $10,000, or the mortgage you just paid off prior to retiring, that may free up an additional twelve dollars to $18,000 of cash flow. You know, so in those instances, sure, those may be major impacts. But if all things are going to be equal, you need to have a plan in place that makes sure that the income you need is predetermined and predictable when you need it. And last but not least, Michael, one more great example here, and this is that old 4% rule, and there's lots of fuzzy math, I think, going on here in the background. They say that I can take 4% out of my portfolio every year without running out of money, so if I just follow that rule, I think I'm going to be fine. What do you think? I think that the 4% rule is dangerous, you know, and I'm going to kind of reference some things that I put in my book about chickens and eggs. So, you know, bear with me. I tend to explain things in analogies. Now, the 4% rule has been floating around for about 30 years. So people just take it as fact. The history behind that rule is really important. It goes back to the early 90s when it was positioned by an advisor about how to get income from retirement for their portfolio without necessarily leaving the market. Well, in the 90s, the market was growing at double digits and was really healthy. And the interest rates were around 5 6%. So the 4% rule says that if you have 60% of your money in stocks, 40% in bonds, so pretty balanced portfolio, 
then over time in that kind of market condition and with those kind of interest rates, you could take 4% and likely not run out of money. But in reality, my clients live today, not 30 years ago. So in reality to where we are today, interest rates are around 2%. Stock markets are more volatile and getting more so each day. And maybe even at a tipping point of some kind of significant pullback just because of time. So the 4% rule isn't a given anymore. In my book, I use the analogy chickens and eggs. You eat the eggs, not the chickens. Now, the eggs are your interest and dividends, and the chickens are basically your investments themselves that generate this return. So chickens are fixed income and bond-like instruments that pay 4 5 6% interest. The interest is the eggs. If we eat the eggs, then next year, the chickens are going to give us more eggs, right? More interest. So let me give you an example. Let's say that going into retirement, you need an extra $20,000 to supplement your income and your Social Security and those. If I can get you chickens that pay you 5% income, then we can allocate, say, $400,000 of a million-dollar portfolio, and that's going to generate you that $20,000 in interest, those eggs, without touching any of the principal. So if we had that million-dollar portfolio, then $400,000 goes into our fixed income, kind of our chicken bucket, that pays us our interest and dividends, and that gives us the $20,000 we need. And then the other $600,000 can now be allocated for future growth and provide a rising income over time. Now, if we only went by the traditional 4% rule, where you eat those chickens, which means basically you got to sell off shares of your mutual funds and your stocks just to generate that income, and the market declines by 20%, then if we take 4% out for income that we need, and the market takes another 20%, we're down 24%. We've lost a quarter percent of the value. Now, next year, we still need that 4% income, but that's 4% of the original amount that we have, not the three quarters of the amount that we have currently because of those losses. So to get that same income, we don't need to take 4% anymore. We might have to take 6 or 7% out this year. And that's just not sustainable. And that's how people wind up running out of money. You know, so like I said in the book, you know, eat the eggs, not the chickens. It's old fashioned, but it works. And that's why our firm specializes in generating sustainable, predictable retirement income, not just hope that the market goes up and not down. Our clients can't plan on hope. They need some sustainability and some confidence going forward that this money is going to last them and create the income in retirement that they need for the next 30 plus years of retirement. Great points as always, Michael. Makes a lot of sense. And I like it when we turn fuzzy math into solid math. I'm also really hungry after that analogy as well. So (laughs) probably a good chance for us to wrap things up and go grab some lunch or something. If you want to get in touch with Michael Stewart and talk to him about maybe your particular situation, what's going on in your financial life? How can it be better, especially as you plan for retirement? All these different moving pieces, they've got under one umbrella at Crystal Lake. It's a one-stop shop, not only your financial planning needs with Michael Stewart and the team, but also a CPA is there, an enrolled agent, and paralegal are also on staff. They'll help you with all things financial and any retirement matters that would be of concern to you. Call them at 815-526-3092 if you have questions and want to chat. 815-526-3092. And you can also find out more information and get in touch with us through the website, crystallaketax.com. Again, that's crystallaketax.com, your place to go. Michael, thank you as always for the guidance, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Walter. We appreciate it. That's Michael Stewart, founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Retirement Matters. 
investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation, and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.